If you've been listening to Cold Weather Bats over the last two seasons, then you know about Prospect Center. If you're a baseball player trying to get better, this is the spot for you. Located in Clinton Township off of Hall Road, Prospect Center is a training facility specific to baseball that is available to all levels of ball players and teams. Their mission is to help develop baseball players into not only great teammates, but great players, along with preparing them to be ready for whichever level they are striving to get to, whether that's high school baseball, college baseball, and even the pros. Owners Nick Capaferi and Mike Rice are former summer ball teammates and former college baseball players, and they've developed a program based on your needs and their past experiences. Mike, the director of baseball operations, is the current head coach at Cardinal Mooney High School. They're currently on a run of back-to-back regional championships with one state finals appearance in 2021. On top of that, Mike Rice also coaches in the USPBL, a professional baseball organization in Utica, Michigan that plays at Jimmy John's Field. Prospect Center's sole goal is to help their Detroit Prospects travel program get to the next level. They have a ton of relationships with college programs and a very high success rate of getting those players into college programs. If you have any questions, or needs regarding Prospect Center, shoot Mike Rice a DM on Twitter at MikeRice02. Again, that is Prospect Center in Clinton Township. Welcome into another brand new episode of Cold Weather Bats. It's your boys, Brandon and Brian, per usual. Brandon's over there. I'm here. I'm Brian. Nice to talk to y'all. We are in that weird in-between preseason and season period that like awkward week leading up to spring break where some teams play games other teams don't some teams play games leading into what will be a spring break road trip to play games whether that's in florida or ohio or whatever anyways we're in that kind of the season's not really full swing yet but either way the point being this is our last show that can constitute anything close to preseason, even though some teams have played a game or scrimmaged or whatever. So we need to make our state championship picks. We need to talk about some award watch lists. But most importantly, kicking it over to my co-host, Brandon Justice of the now 1-1 one and one Grozio Red Devils, having won their first game today. Coach Justice, congratulations on the dub. Taking down a Lincoln Park squad pretty handily. T- tell us about the game, man. Yeah, we, uh, we've worked really hard on some things. We haven't had a lot of time to turn things around. As folks know, when you get your tryouts then that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that, that next Wednesday, you're playing the next Wednesday is opening day. So, you know, we had five practices played West Bloomfield. They're certainly more talented than we are. And we learned that the hard way in the first game with a 13, nothing loss. And we took that in the chin and we said, you know, let's not let this snowball let's find a way to to learn from it and be some goldfish and wake up tomorrow and go play Lincoln Park and you know we won 11 nothing and we we got out to a hot start we just manufactured created a lot of runs moved the bases and we weren't stationary it was good it was kind of like one of those moments where you work on base running more than hitting and you you lose 13-0 and you're like I probably should have worked on hitting more than base running but <laughs> The next day it works and you're like, okay, yep, this is a long-term thing. And, you know, there's no instant gratification when it comes to Michigan high school baseball when you don't have a world beater of a roster. And so, so yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good time. It was fun. I think, I think our kids are understanding what it takes to be a team. And I think that's kind of the first thing we're, we're extremely young for those out there who don't have context. We went to the coach Garza, who was, you know, fantastic at girls deal before myself took them to the final four last year for the first time in program history. And, of those 14 kids, 11 are gone. And of those 11, eight were starters, I think, or nine were starters, a lot of them. And, you know, we're not making excuses. We're just we're just getting up, getting ready, and creating our own vibe and finding our own identity. And we've got 
seven sophomores out there who love playing baseball and that that's the only prerequisite i have play do you like playing baseball let's let's go do it to the best of our ability so you know we're having fun man i'm having a blast for what it's worth i'm really enjoying it and you know it was a good time spring break now you kind of mentioned that right in the lead we don't have a trip yet we're not that we're not to that stage quite yet something you know work on for the future quick turnaround this year got hired in the middle of february so <laughs> didn't really have time to come up with a spring break trip currently still gotta have a parent meeting so you know we're 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 chopping blocks here. We're doing we're doing everything we can. But but yeah, man, it was a good time. So spring break now. We come back and play Allen Park thereafter. And so nice challenge there. Kind of like a maybe I think Allen Park's gonna be like sneaky good. I was talking to Coach Cottner from Wyandot today and he said that uh, the Allen Park returns a bunch of production from last year and that there's if there's any team around here that's not getting enough attention, it, it might be the Jags. So we'll see what happens there. Happy to report back with that. So going into spring break on a high note, one and one and you know. Trucking along, baby, go Duffs. Important, a couple thoughts I had your intro there. I, important to get that parent meeting done. because, And I think this is, this is a question we can ask coaches once we start doing interviews again. But, like, important to get that parent meeting done, if for no other reason than kind of setting the expectation for, like, what's allowed and what isn't. You know, and it, it, that, yeah. could mean, that can mean any number of things. Like, I'm not talking even specifically about you know, one individual moment or whatever, but like, you know, anything from playing time to what the punishment is for being late, like what is an excused absence, what isn't like anything like that. Important to give them a baseline, hand them all a flyer, you know, or whatever it is, just for the sake of like, in a month, you can be like, hey man, I told you, like, hey, it's written right there. I told you. Like, I don't, I don't want yeah, to hear it. It's like a rubric, you know? It's yeah, like, exactly. When kid, and it's not just for the kids. It's like for the parents to understand that. I mean, you're when you're a coach, you're going to deal with a lot of different things. There's going to be positives and there's going to be negatives. There's going to be parents that parent different than, my, than you coach, which is neither win and neither lose that situation. But there needs to be an understanding and like a medium between those two things. And, and a lot of that is... A lot of that is laying it out and giving those expectations at a meeting like that. And I think this year I learned the lesson of like, okay, we have five days between tryouts and the game. Let's get the, let's get that done. And then let's get the parent meeting done. Whereas it should be like, we have our team. Let's have our parent meeting literally like in two hours if we can. Right. Because for me, unique, I guess, in a way, because it's my first year, maybe that doesn't have to be like, again, we'll bring up coach Codner again, who probably doesn't want me to candidly discuss the conversations we have on a public podcast however you know he was having the conversation where he was like yeah i had to rush mine this year because it was supposed to be on this day but we ended up playing a game that day because of the weather so we had to get switch it up and next thing you know i'm like we have to do it a day before that and i didn't have things prepared for it as much as i usually do but it's his 25th year at wine dot yeah. so you know you can get a you can get a little around that and you can work through that and he kind of mentioned that and alluded it whereas for me i have to be like insanely prepared for that meeting because it's really my introduction to to a, a completely new community that I'm, i've never been involved in at all like i i walked into my first day without knowing anybody in the room player parent what you know it doesn't matter had i heard of some kids sure but did i know anyone no had i ever met any of these people no and it's been great so far it's been really good we've, we've got a lot of good support from you know the community and you know the players are, are all getting after it but you know i think unspecific to my situation and more macro, like from a parent perspective, the coach has to lay those things out because yep. the point you make is the reference. It's the rubric. Yep. It's when there's an issue a month from now, you have something to go back to like, hey, this was 
laid out. This was alluded to. This was, you know, an expectation that we set, not just like, hey, by the way, I don't do that. Because that's when you kind of, like I said, there's no win or lose, but that's when you do kind of lose. So. Yeah. And like, I don't, I'm not giving away state secrets. I don't think Matt would mind if I mentioned this, but like, you know, working under Petrie for all those years, like it's, it's very much like right away, here's the deal. And not, and not from a perspective of like, I don't want to deal with it. It's from a perspective of, I won't deal with it. Like, I'm not going to have any of this nonsense, the bullshit. Like we could all tell stories, but like, it's just that expectation of like, Hey man, like I said. I'm not doing this. This won't be a part of my program. And now he's in a place, obviously, where he can say, like, if you don't like it, you can wait. <laughs> yeah, they're going to, you know, it's ask him how high they need to jump. <laughs> like, if you don't like it, you can leave. Like, the program is fine. We, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's, we're in a sustainable place now with it. But, but the point being, like, not, not to sound negative, but hey, you know, you and I and anybody listening to this show, player, parent, coach, whatever, like, has a story about some lunatic parent so it's just and that's not gonna having a meeting is not going to stop that from happening but having that meeting allows you to then like tell your athletic director like hey see i laid it out in march like you know what i mean it's it's right there written down everybody understood and was at the meeting blah 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 so like therefore i'm telling you i'm not going to deal with this nonsense and you won't have to then so you know yeah just a reference point you know and it it lays that whole thing out and then everybody understands it. And those who are on the train can enjoy the ride and those who aren't can get off at the next stop. Yeah. You know. But it's enough waxing poetic about parents, Brandon. We we haven't done a good job of getting back in rhythm with the housekeeping stuff when we started the podcast this season. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Folks, you've heard us say this before if you've been listening for a while. If you're new this season, welcome couple things we ask you to do since we've never asked for your money. Please follow us on social media. We're at ColdWeatherBats on Twitter and Instagram. Hashtag cross-platform. Please like, rate, review the show. Whatever you listen to this on, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music or, or Podbean, whatever it is, whatever you're listening to us on, hit that five-star review. Leave a nice comment like about how nice my hair looks now that I haven't cut it in like six months. And, uh, you know, how good Brandon looks in a Grozeal hat. Whatever it is, like if you like the show, anything like that, that's appreciated. That helps us with viewership, which in turn helps us with sponsors, which in turn helps us generate revenue. So we appreciate your attention to that matter. But anyways, moving on, this show is about state championship picks. And we're going to run through some of the year-end awards that we do. Maybe talk about some guys we like as watch lists for it. Important to remember that any of the players named in those corresponding, you know, divisional awards that we're talking about, any of the guys we name are up for the award, just like anybody we don't name. Uh, this is not like a Heisman finalist list where like only the four guys we mentioned from the D1 pitcher of the year category are eligible to win it. Anybody can win it. We're just not going to mention every single player in the state. So with that being said, Brandon, let's kick it into gear with the state championship picks. Obviously, we're going to start with D1. This is the big daddy, the granddaddy of them all, as it were. St. Mary's won it last year in their first year in D1. As we all know, 44-0, actual champions. They are back in D1. 
at least for this, you think they do the count every two years or whatever it is. So, so we'll see what they end up in 2024 and beyond. But right now, it's my understanding that they are, well, obviously they're in D1 for this year. I think 24 too, but we'll see about 25. Irrela, St. Mary's returns as the champs. There is no jockeying around, basically, is what I was saying within the divisions. They return. They are number one team in the country, or excuse me, number one team in the state entering 2023. And that's obviously inclusive of all divisions. Brandon, tough to pick against the champs, but we've talked about it on the show already, how there are certainly a number of contenders for that crown this year. It might not be the the slam dunk. This is St. Mary's is to lose like it was in 2022. Yeah, man. Brother Rice is like, to me, just the one that stands out. And for a number of reasons, I mean, they have a ton of production coming back. They've played together for, I mean, you think about, that Brother Rice team that took Orchard Lake to the wire in the Catholic League final two years ago in 2021. And virtually that entire lineup is like still there, like still playing. And now they've kind of found that Alfredo Velasquez is like this shut down, really ultra motivated, specific to Mary's type of kid who can go out there and knows that lineup extremely well has played with the best players Mary's has in its lineup, or some of the best players that Mary's. I mean, that's a long list, obviously, but the core, a lot of that core he's played with, knows their tendencies, knows how to throw to them, has has shown last year in that Catholic League final how well and how effective he can be. And Riker played it, played it well by saving him until that game. Don't know what's going to happen this year from an Intel perspective, but from a, a like relative perspective i would imagine it goes some way along the same way because ultimately what really matters is the playoffs and the postseason so i would imagine he saves fredo for the same type of scenario and you know that just that in that imposing force like that guy just waiting there to like attack on the mound like that's been brock porter mm-hmm. but this year i think it's alfredo i think jason oliver is extremely good but he's been their closer and it seems to me that he's going to continue to be the closer. And I think there's a lot of guys that Mary's has who can go out there and throw the ball as well as anybody in the state. But I don't know, man. I, th- I think Fredo, from like a big game perspective, is kind of a stop above. And that's that's just my take on it. I don't think Brother Rice has the 1-9 to nine lineup to beat St. Mary's in a 7-game series or even like a 5-game series. But in a 1-game setting with Fredo on the mound, that is something that is intriguing to me and i'm not necessarily ready to say that brother rice is going to like jump that hill this year because like ryan mckay is the best pure hitter i've ever coached and he's one of the best pure hitters i've ever really seen at the age he's not he's not six five bomb slashing nolan schubert he's not you know five tool all these all these kinds of things that like jumped off the page about like Jack Crichton and, and Ike Guy. He doesn't have like those highlight real things. He's like five foot eight, five foot nine, but he's a he's a ball player to like every definition. And he's a leader and he hits the living crap out of the ball. And that middle for Mary's between he, him and Oliver is like as good as it's ever been, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, Alex was great. Alex and Minnie were great together. But Jolly and Minnie are like right there defensively, I think. And so I'm going to go with Mary's again. I just don't. I, I think that, that that core for them with Minnie and with Oliver and, you know, Bruskevich and a bunch of other guys in that team that were there in 2021 or they were there in 2022, whether it was for one or two, they know how to win. They know what it's taken to win. And I think the number one thing that stood out about St. Mary's last year was like those guys had, those guys played like they had been there. 
And every step of the way, every stage, from the first inning to that last inning against North, they played as if they had been there. It wasn't like, oh, we got to be the team to go 44 and all. They're like, yeah, we're, we're that team. And I think that that mentality carries over. I think that that's been established and have a really hard time picking against them. I think Norfolk is another team. Mm-hmm. You know, Dante Nori is, is, a, is an absolute dude. I think Woodhaven is extremely sneaky. I mean, we talked about this in the team draft. They've got some arms, bro, like some legit arms that can go out there and compete with anybody. And I think this is a year where in the D1 world, like there isn't just one team with the most dominant arms. There's a lot of teams that can compete. And Woodhaven has a sneaky rotation that's deep with a lot of depth. They can go three, four different guys in a game who they can, you know, stick with. And the trickiest way to play around with a lineup in Michigan high school baseball is to have three or four arms come in at the same time because that's just four different adjustments you have to make in a seven-inning setting. So... I think Woodhaven's sneaky. And there's a number of other teams in D1 that are sneaky. But I'm going to stick with Mary's this year. Important to note that while Mary's did not play a sanctioned, the right word, they scrimmaged Lakeland today in 116-3. McKay, double, triple, bomb, couple walks, standard. Just basically what we're saying is Mary's looks to be ready to go out of the gate, if you want to put it that way. But yeah, man, I mean, I'm not, I'm picking St. Mary's too. I think that, how do I say this? I think that it's easier to play that matchup game of Fredo versus Mary's for the Catholic League than it is in the state finals or in the state tournament because you just, you know, you don't know. Like in the state tournament, in the Catholic League, Riker, I I think he could have been reasonably certain like, hey, you know, if we lose four times in the regular season to these guys, okay, I'm going to take my shot in the postseason. That's what he did. And like, you know, obviously that game where, where Fredo almost beat him was the Catholic League final. I think it's easier to do that than it is to do it in the state tournament. So therefore, I just I don't I don't necessarily like look at that potential one-off matchup as necessarily like a huge weight in Rice's favor because of the the likelihood of it happening. You know what I mean? But either way, I'm sticking with Mary's too. Brother Rice, obviously, in that runner-up spot for me, just in terms of, of picking it. Obviously, I know that that that's not how it would end in the state final. Could you imagine that? But anyways. That would, uh, that's all we need seating. Could you imagine and, that? And for those who don't know, I attended the rules meeting this year. Yeah. I attended the rules meeting before the season started. Not a big deal, but I took care. I, that's, that's be just being organized, which is like extremely rare for all those who know him because the game changer was set up in the second inning today of the first, the second game of my career as a head coach. So, but when I attended the rules meeting this year, they're experimenting what a seating playoff would look like with the possibility of implementing that next year. And if they did, I think we would get a scenario where we yeah. could see Rice and Orchard Lake. And that yeah. would be, on top of many other matchups in each division, would be right. incredible. So, But I digress. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. But you mentioned Northville. I think that's another team that needs to be considered. You, you talk about Nori with the star power. They're deep behind him. They have two dudes on the mound. Like, you know what I mean? Two guys who can, they can really turn to who can beat a high-level lineup. I think Heartland is another team we have to mention with with another lefty who can go toe-to-toe with Marys in that one-off matchup in, in Grundman. And I think you have to mention last year's runner-up, too, in Gross Point North as a team who yeah, is obviously deserving of mention yeah, yeah, in, in this type of setting. Bring most of their team back, obviously pretty strong on the mound with Hill and Arsenault. You have some depth in the lineup. Either way, we've talked about them already this year, but... Yeah, that's D1. Going to move up. We both picked St. Mary's there for record keeping. Moving on to D2, Brandon, I think we're going to, we may end up differing here, but I'll take this one off the top since you started D1. But either way, at, with 
with D2, I think it's more wide open. I think there's a lot to be considered here. Important to remember that Liggett is in D2 now. So when we're talking about them as a state contender, we have to talk about them in D2 rather than D3, which we'd become accustomed to. But either way, my pick in D2 is going to be Bay City John. We've been talking about them for a couple years now on the strength of that class. When we first started doing this podcast, they were sophomores. Now they're seniors. And it's Sontag and Kreciak and Ball and just a... There's more guys there. There's depth there. They've been playing together for a long time. It's one of those awesome, like, baseball communities where the guys all play Legion ball together. And it, one of the one of those kind of dying baseball communities that that's still so strong there in the base city of the area. But I'm picking them in D2 with the obvious qualifier that I think there are several other candidates worth mentioning. I'll refrain from mentioning some of them until Brandon makes his pick. But, yeah, we have a, a handful here we'd like to talk about. Yeah, and I'd also like to mention that West Bloomfield definitely has, they're equipped with what it takes to make a run, but they're in, I think they're going to be in Mary, I think they're in Mary's district again this year. That's going to be a good game. I mean, Logan yep. Pecor's Logan Pecor is, is up there with everybody else on the on the mound, I think, throughout the, throughout the state. And, you know, he can challenge them too. And, uh, you know, those guys develop extremely well at West Bloomfield. Bernie has done a great job. I mean, you look at who they had and what they had and how they played the year he showed up and where they're at now. I mean, that, that evidence is there. So, you know, got to mention them as well as a contender in Division One, especially after they beat our ass. So uh, um, who's next? D2. I, I really, like, tend to agree with you on the John Glenn thing, and I really want to pick them, but in the, in the effort of differentiating, I think that I had this picked, I swear, and I just lost my eyesight. Where was I at? Goodness gracious, Coach. What are you doing? Yeah, I think I just got to roll with you. I don't think I can pick against Bay City John Glenn. They just have such a deep rotation, you know. Sontag and Kreziak are just gross, and their their pitchability is like absurd. Kreziak's pitchability is like, yeah, insane. Insane. This guy's gonna be like an immediate guy at Oakland, you know. Like it's hard to do that at any level, but I think that the pitchability along with the stuff, you step right in potentially and and like be a piece at Oakland right away. Absolutely, and I think the biggest separator. At this level, Michigan high school baseball is pitchability. A lot of guys throw hard, but can you throw strikes? Can you overlay? Can you work a count? Can you pick out each guy's? Can you pick up on your hitter's tennis? That that kid is always doing those things, and, and he is consistent. He's getting better throughout a game, whereas yep. some pitchers come out and they max out their first two innings. He's, like, getting better. Sontag is, like, the two-way dream. I got to go with, I mean, obviously, Nathan Ball, too. He hits the living life out of the ball, and they have a bunch of other dudes in that team. So Liggett is, you know, without question, a team that's going to contend. I think we've mentioned that, you know, we had Liggett at 14 in our Super 25, and our Super 25 is our pretty much agreed upon outside of, you know, give or take a couple spots in some teams is our agreed upon expectation for each team's performance. And, I mean, basically, John Glenn is number four and Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids Christian's right behind them at six. Yep. And, you know, you don't see Liggett until 14, and that's not to say Liggett has no chance. I think Liggett has as good of a chance as those two, those two teams, but based on our expectations, I just I have a hard time picking anybody here besides one of those two. So Christian with Kyle Remington. I mean, Kyle Remington versus versus Brody Kruziak would be like Maddox versus, like, Glavin That'd be type, fun. type stuff. Yeah. I mean, it would be awesome. Like, I would pay more than five dollars that the mhsaa requires me to pay to see that game and i hope it happens i think there's a possibility with the way the bracket's set up so i hope that's the final if those two teams play I'd, i i would pick christian because there's just no way i can pick against kyle remington when he's on the mount but for the effort of this this segment i'll take john glenn 
And I think you, Grand Rapids Christian obviously wanted to touch on there. I think Forest Hills Eastern, last year's Division II champion, is obviously warrant, warranting a mention here. New Boston Huron, another one, and we talk about it at the jump for this, Liggett. I have to talk about Liggett. They're too talented not to. Do I think that they're probably going to have a tough time in the in the league? Sure. You know, lost a lot of pitching. We're not going to sit here and turn this into the Liggett discussion show. But, yeah, I mean, like, I think that's a team that, regardless of how their regular season goes, is dangerous as soon as the tournament starts at the end of the season just because of how talented they are. Lineup is just so good, you know? It's top to bottom. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Lineup's it's really good. When is that its best? Lot, yeah, lineup's really good. They should be able to swing it. They should be able to, to defend it. They'll need some guys to step up pitching. Coach Greasebaum talked about that when he was on for the team draft last episode. But one of those teams, like I said, it doesn't matter how their regular season goes to me. As soon as the tournament starts, they're dangerous. So need to talk to talk about them. Um, we're going to move on to Division Three now. Last year, Buchanan won, of course, beating Detroit Edison in the final. Buchanan with a new head coach this year. We talked about that already on a previous show. Previous uh, Cold Weather Bats guest, David Sokolowski, uh, is the new head coach at his alma mater, Buchanan. Bringing a state championship team to the table in 2023 w- would expect Buchanan to be good. I'm not going to pick them for the D3 crown, but, you know, I don't think there's any expectation that Buchanan is going to be bad, but they did lose a fairly significant bit of their pitching from last year. We'll need to, um, you know, find guys to step up and count on some younger guys and count on some development, and we'll see how it goes. But until we know how those things are going, I think it's reasonable to expect them to uh, be very good but also have different challenges this year than they did last year. But with that being said, talking too much, Buchanan definitely warrant of mention, but I'm picking Algonac as my Division Three state title winner. They are our highest division, or excuse me, they are our highest ranked D3 school in the Super 25 at number 16 overall. Josh Kastner on the mound. They have more guys than that. Brandon, going with Algonac. Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be hard for Buchanan to replace what they lost. You know, they certainly have some production coming back from that team last year, but I think the the arm... That was real dominant for them. The name escapes me, but he's gone, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm not sure if they're coming back. So maybe it, it it's not. It's certainly not a not a lack of intel necessarily. It's just of what's coming back and of what they're getting additionally. I don't know a ton about you know. And so it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick that. I mean, Algonac. I mean, the number one reason you got to pick Algonac is the top guy is like what? What did Coach say? Like ninety two, ninety four. Yeah, like, really and I'm not really. saying like Velo is everything, but like it's again. I mean, he's going to Michigan. There's pitchability there. That's a guy that's like, how many? You're you're at the maximum playing two games in a day, right? You need to win one of those yeah. games. And traditionally, you're gonna if you're a team like Algonac who like has dudes, that means that you're gonna get outclassed theoretically by like one team that day. So you need you need to like unlevel the playing field with your arm once a day for once a week. Throughout playoffs, yeah, you got your district. You need your guy once. You got your regional. You need your guy once. You get to your your final four. You need your guy once. And I think they have that guy. With I mean, undoubtedly, they had that guy. And in D three, like it's it's rare to find teams that have that guy. I hate that we're aligning though. I feel like that's bad for the show. But it's again, like it's it's really maybe we'll just call this our picks and we just like won't divide it up into Brian and Brandon, even though that's kind of like against the whole mo around here. Hey, but it's just line up, man. It's whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to pick against them, you know. I think Buchanan certainly has has the makings of, of being able to do that. They definitely have the experience, like similar to Mary's with the whole 
been here before, not mm-hmm. and not to the same scale, obviously, but they they definitely have that. But uh, but man, I just I gotta go with gotta go with Algonac here. I gotta go with Algonac. I think Detroit Edison warrants mention here. Last year's runner-up, we've talked about them on the show as well. They do replace a lot. Like we got in a lot of comments for not having them in the Super Twenty Five. Like, want to reiterate? No, we didn't forget. Anyways, we got to replace a lot. Got to prove it. Like that's really all there is to it. It's, it's, We're not an emotional podcast. We're allowed to say it about any you know any team that we've. All said of our notes are in Google Sheets. Dozens. That's how you know. Yeah, you know. But anyways, some some really good players there. Obviously, Marwin Matthews, one of the better infielders in the state in that 24 class. But I think Edison Warren's mentioned because they've had some experience now with like playing in big games, winning in big games, getting to East Lansing, winning a game there. You know, they have some experience to them now in those big stages. So I think they weren't mentioned and obviously still a very talented team. You know, I, Grand Rapids West Catholic is coming into the season with a fair bit of hype. Blissfield, obviously, perennially very, very strong. Down in the southern part of the state, we know about Blissfield. We know about them forging forward w- with a new coach, not Larry Tuttle, as they continue into the, the post-Tuttle era. But anyways, Division Three, we're both going with Algonac, Edison, Blissfield, West Catholic. Buchanan, other schools that we feel weren't mentioning. Moving on to Division Four, where last year, of course, if you'll recall, my alma mater, Riverview Gabriel Richard, won the state title. They beat Beale City four to three in the final. A Hackett won it in 2021 when they beat Cardinal Mooney. Just uh, you know, Brandon, I for the sake of being an open, open homer, I'm gonna go with gr here again obviously my alma mater you can call me a homer if you want but they just won the damn thing last year and they bring a lot of the good players back so going with gr i'm sure that we'll you'll mention another one of the couple schools that we're going to talk about here maybe you'll even pick them but uh, i'm going to go with gr yeah i mean there's a lot of teams with a lot of talent and a lot of experience coming back and you know rudyard has that chip on their shoulder i think they have a unique sort of motivator in that they are from the up and that you know this means a lot to them and not that it doesn't mean any less to any any other team to win a state championship i think that's everyone's ultimate goal right like it's it's not hard to get the team motivated at a chance to win to win a state title like that's that's everyone's ultimate prize but man cardinal mooney just keeps getting close and they keep getting within grasps and uh, they keep they keep not getting they keep not making it happen but this is the year i think that it does happen and yeah. i think it's because there's no world beater right and there's no like there's like Hackett had Stephen Quapis, who like, along with a couple others, pretty much carried them through against Cardinal Mooney. And last year, GR got super hot with those arms and that rotation. And even though Mooney doesn't necessarily have like Tom Rice and, and a, you know a couple of those other guys, they do have Trent Rice, who's probably the best player in Division Four, position wise. Yep. Right. And is Lutsky back? We've discussed. This. I think so. Yeah, they got Lutsky back. I mean, that's like we just discussed the whole you have one guy in one moment for one game each weekend, each week to get through your district, to get through your regional, and to get through the final four. Man, I just think Cardinal Mooney, like you talk about experience, you talk about like that hunger to like jump that hill. Uh, you know, the coaching staff there, obviously, Mike Rice and company have been great. And so, you know, I think I think Cardinal Mooney jumps that hump this year. I think they make it happen. I think this is the year that, that Trent Rice, his final year at Cardinal Mooney, and not saying their window is necessarily ending, but I do think the window of, of the Rice family playing there mm-hmm. is concluding here right now. I, I think Mike's nephew has another one coming through, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, yep. I think Trent is like the Trent is that dude. 
we just saw him carry Cardinal Mooney basketball to the final four. And if he can carry Cardinal Mooney basketball to the final four, I think he can take the baseball team all the way to the championship. And I think ultimately they, they win it this year. So I'll take Cardinal Mooney. Fair enough. Important to mention Rudyard like you did. I'm expecting big things from Coach Billy Mitchell and his club. Also important to mention Beale City, last year's finalist. Uh, came one run shy. Whitmore Lake, another club mentioned within D4. Would expect solid things for Royal Oak Shrine as well this year, of course. But yeah, that's going to wrap us for D4. Just to quickly recap our picks. Brandon and I agreed a lot, unfortunately, for this one. But Orchard Lake St. Mary's in Division One, we agreed on that one. Bay City John Glenn uh, in Division Two, Algonac in D3, and then we split in D4. He took Cardinal Mooney, and I took Riverview GR. We will see who's right in about three months. But anyways, Brando, let's move over to some more player-specific things. We're just gonna we're just gonna quickly shoot through D1, D4, talk about some players for the pitcher and the player of the year award in each division. You know, just whatever. We're not gonna do a set number of players for each class. And like we talked about in the intro, this is not, if we don't talk about a player, he can still win the award, obviously. This is not just setting up a specific list and only picking from these players. But anyways, starting back at the top at Division One, obviously with the player of the year, I think there's any number of guys for us to pick from in this sense. I think you have to start, I, I'll just rattle off a few. Dante Nori at Northville, Grimmer and McKay and Oliver at St. Mary's, Esquez at, at Brother Rice, Dowd at Brother Rice, Parker Pico at Rochester Adams, Noah Miller at, at Monroe, Drew Hill at, at Gross Point North. You know, like any number of these players, like any number of these guys, I think that um, have a chance to be that dude. I know there's there's some that I didn't rattle off there. Again, we're not going to mention every single player in the state who's potentially deserving of winning this award. But, you know, Fidelino at Grand Blank, whatever. Like we could talk forever about these guys. But I think any of those guys is in the running, certainly for D1 Player of the Year. If you made me pick one, and this is kind of rare going with an underclassman, but I would go with Nori as far as my pick for potential player of the year in D1. Yeah, that's that's a pick you can't go wrong with, like, at all. I'm going to go with Jason Oliver. I think he's just going to do a lot of things on both sides of the ball, defensively, on the mound, in the box. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the playoffs last year, Jolly led a lot of categories for St. Mary's, yeah. right? I mean... Yeah, he really raked in the playoffs, yeah. I think he just, you know, that was... To me, like from what I was seeing at those games, and I was calling some of those games for the prep siren, whatever. What I was seeing was a guy who was like, okay, so next year this is, this is kind of something I get to run, right? He and he and McKay and a couple other guys, right? That senior class, where they've been kind of, I don't want to say shadowed. That team's played so well with so many guys, but you know, Jolly's first year, he was kind of like Alex Mooney's running mate, right? His second year. They all kind of played second fiddle to to Porter and to Crichton and to, to Schubert and to Irish. There was so much star power. Where now Oliver has become, Oliver and McKay and, you know, Blake Grimmer and those guys have become that team. They've become those guys. And Blake Grimmer is the best hitter in the state, in my opinion. The best pure hitter in the state, you know, from, from every category, in my opinion. However, what Jolly can do on the mound, what he can do in the box, and then what he does for you at shortstop, really hard for other guys to replicate. You know, I, I would love to pick Ryan McKay in this spot, but I just know if I do, I'm going to be called a homer. I would love to pick Drew Hill in this spot, but I know if I do, I would be called a homer. And, you know, Drew's got the ankle thing going, and, and you know, he's supposed to be back in April, and I really hope he is because that kid, like, he 
deserves to play baseball as much as anybody else on this earth does just because of the, the person that he is and how hard he works to, to get to this point and everything. And he heard it playing freaking basketball. And it's like, it's like, you know, he's a grinder and you know, like he hurt that because he was probably grinding to get a ball out of bounds and stuff. So, and there's just a number of other guys in D1 that are so good. It's such a stacked division. Like there's so many teams that are good and those teams are stacked with players that are, you know, Woodhaven's got guys and you know, there's a ton of players you can go with here because of Jolly's ability to go pump like 95 on the bump and then you know, have some range at short with like an, an arm that's like 90 plus across and then hit bombs. Like I'm going to go with Jolly. Hard to argue with that, sir. I think he's going to be obviously one of the, the best two-way players in the state this year. One of the most impactful. I didn't mention Caleb Bonimer. I don't think when I talk about a couple, but he's a guy at Okemos that needs to be mentioned. Let's move quickly into the D1 pitcher of the, again, no shortage of potential nominees here. Brennan Hill, at Gross Point North, Wyatt Navarra at Dexter, Brennan Bennett at Novi, I think Gannon Grundman at Heartland. I think you could talk about Fredo in this category at Blake Illich at Rice, you know, Donovan, Aries, any number of these guys. I think that, hey, Brandon, am I missing anybody? What division is Frankenmuth? So we can mention Drew Titsworth, you know, like. I, oh, that's good. I don't know. I think Frankenmuth's one, though. I think they that area tends to have a bunch of guys that are in divisional, a bunch of teams that are in division one. I um, think they are in division two. So we'll save him for the next one. We'll save him just for just for a minute from now. Yeah, they're division two. Sure. They're division two. Can yeah. confirm. But either way, with that being said, I, I mean, there's a number of guys worth mentioning here. I'm going to go with Grunman from Heartland, though. Got to see him pitch last year via via broadcast of course prep but uh, really impressed that michigan state commit he's my pick gonna go a little bit a little bit out of the box there i think i think he'll he'll dominate that league which is obviously a very difficult league and if you do dominate that league i'm gonna weight your performance even more because of how talented it is this is division two right no or just d1 pitcher here in d1 yes yeah right okay i'm making sure i was on the right page there yeah i'm gonna go fredo i mean i've already said it and you know, I think he's a guy who's just going to, he's going to do some really good things and perform at a high level, I think, on the mound this year. He's just, dude, every single time I've seen that kid pitch, like, he doesn't have the typical, like, 6'5", long, lanky, super projectable pitcher body. He doesn't have that. But what he has is 90-plus with an extremely hidden delivery that's really hard to pick up out of the hand. It's short. And then he comes in with some secondary stuff with both a, a slider and a curve that he can locate and that he can overlay. And at the end of the day, he's a silent assassin, bro. He's he's not emotional. He is consistent. He's not really thrown off his game. He just he just barrels through like a torpedo. He gets better throughout the game. I mean, he'll throw harder in the sixth than he did in the first. I've seen that kid dominate too many times. And I think now on a on a playing field where he is a senior and he's he's thrown against, you know, sophomores, juniors, or guys his age. This is his time, bro. I mean, it's his time, in my opinion. So I'll take We're going to move quickly along to D2, since nobody wants an hour and a half episode of just you and I talking. But Division Two, we have player and pitcher of the year to go through. Pulling back up my notes quickly. Some candidates for Division Two player of the year. Kyle Remington at Grand Rapids Christian. Uh, you know, Tanner Sontag, Bay City John Glenn. Purify service sharp bar at uh, Liggett, obviously. Isaac Sturgis at, at Powers is a guy. St. Antoine, obviously, one of these players. I, I mean, any number of guys in D2, of course, too. Brandon, I'm going to let you make the first pick, though. You know, before I even start, I just want to make sure I'm not sounding biased here, but, like, we got a guy at Gross Hill. He's a sophomore, Caleb Jones. Yeah. He's, like, going to contend for this trophy in two years, I'm telling you. Like, I, okay. Mark, 
mark it down. Season five of CWB, like we will mention that name. I promise you that. And that's not even like playing favorites. The kid's just a stud. As far as this year, it's got to be Kyle Remington. Sorry. Like, I don't care that he played for me two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, however long it was now. Dude's an ultra competitor. Ask anybody who's ever watched him. He's going to Minnesota. He'll play right away, in my opinion. He'll stand out. The dude is just in a different gear, bro. Like, he is just in a different gear. Like, when that, when it's bump day for Kyle Remington, like, do not get in his way. He'll bulldoze you. And he's all of like 160 soaking wet when you look at him. And I think he's bulked up a bit now, like everybody, like every other athlete does between their junior and senior year, right? Mm-hmm. But he's just, it's the intangibles, man. It's like, we, Brian, you're a scout. Mental makeup mm-hmm. can do so many things for a kid. Yeah. It can, it can make you, it can make you a B minus to an A. It can just make a kid so much better than maybe his, 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 you know, the liquid stuff tends to be. So yeah. like, I don't, I, I believe like the whole, like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Thing. Like that's not true. If the talent right. is way better than you, that's just like, that's a, that's a fun little marketing ploy that people put in their Twitter bios and blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. That's just openly false. If someone is way more talented than you. Now, if they're a little bit more talented than you, yes, I agree with it, but I, important yes. to put that distinction there. But with that being said, man, like but Kyle Remington is like that too. Yeah. With that, <laughs> you know, that, like specific to Remington, specific to a lot of other guys, like that's why it's important for scouts to get to know these players. Like that's why it's important. Sorry, I was just distracted by Brandon taking a sip of white wine. You um, can blame my girlfriend for that. Did that coming? Here we go. Anyways, uh, Thursday, baby. Hey, baby. Thursday after a dub. Come on, go Devs. Thursday, Thursday. We're sipping Zinfandel. Anyways. <laughs> really threw me off there, man. That was, I didn't see that coming. What is that? Pink Biscotto? I don't know. Maybe what is this? Pinot Grigio. Yeah, there, it, I knew it was one yeah, of those wines. Pinot Noir. Sorry, it makes Pinot up Noir. for Pinos. Excuse me. Wait, excuse me. What? Well, <laughs> that part of the show, baby. That part. Of the, Kyle Remington is very good, and he is my the MVP makeup, pick. The makeup. The makeup. Anyways, yeah, makeup's important. Makeup's very important. That's why scouts. It's important for scouts to get to know players. That's why if you're good enough to be scouted, they'll ask to meet with you. They want to get to know you as a person to understand how your brain works, to understand if you're going to compete or if the first time you meet some adversity, you're going to fold. That's what they're trying to get to know. But anyways, my Division Two player of the year, I'm going with Jaron Purify from Liggett. He was my first pick in the CW Bleep, CW Bleep, CWB player draft. Excuse me. Shortstop all the way. I think he's going to play it at, at the highest level. The physicality building has gone well. He's going to hit for more power this spring will be one of the most scouted players in the state. I think he'll rise to the occasion. Going with Jaron Purify. Moving on to pitch to pitcher category specifically, and I know Brandon took a two-way guy as his player, but we are going to do D2 Pitcher of the Year now. Some candidates here, um, Grant Garman at Powers Catholic, Kreshiak, we can say Sontag again. We could say Remington again, Gavin Muzzy and Luke Cole down river shouts out, you know, not a lot of guys again that we can mention here. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's a host dude. This is, yeah. You go a lot of directions with this one. Mm-hmm. Are you taking this one? You want me to take the first one? I will. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Kreciak from Bay city, John Glenn. I think that for the team, I, we both picked to win the state championship. They have a stable of horses, but he is the ace of that stable. And I think he's going to have a really, really monster year, both in terms of performance and then subsequently how far John Glenn goes. So I'm going with Kreechiak. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Muzzy. I think he's got again, we keep talking about pitchability and you know that kid got it. He funnels extremely well and you know, he has so much command of the game and he he he's gonna dominate this league, I think. He's gonna have a really I don't wanna use the words easy, but I think he is gonna have a really easy time. And and a lot of people like to think when you're playing against easier competition and as a pitcher, because you know me, we've had this conversation on the show. My thought was, you know, when I got to grow zeal, schedule as difficult as I can, lose in the regular season. From a team perspective, yes. But from an individual who is a pitcher, I think Gavin Muzzy's success during the regular season is going to carry over and roll over into the, the playoffs very well. That confidence is going to be built at a really high. You know, I, I think Cole is going to miss some time. I don't know how much. It might be like, a, it might be just a couple. I don't know. I would love to pick Luke Cole, but I think Muzzy's pitchability is just, it's, it's that next yeah. level. And so I'll take Muzzy, and I think, you know, he's going to be that guy in the playoffs that if Huron makes a similar run, I think it's going to be because of those both of those guys. But again, Muzzy to me is just, he just gives them the most pitchability, and he's the guy who can go all seven and, and do it in like 70 pitches. Yep. He, we've seen him do that, like, you know, yeah, like multiple games. times. Like many Blue games shut out 10 strikeouts on 74 pitches, just. Throwing ninety one with sink and a breaking ball and disgusting, like yeah. funneling fastballs, like like is amazing, incredible. Got the Kurt Bar to him in that respect with what he can do with manipulating the fastball. Um, also, Kurt Bar pitching a fairly significant bit at Michigan as a freshman. And um, speaking of, next episode needs to be like highlighting all the insane college yeah players yeah. so far from from we'll do that. not just the freshman class but especially the freshman class. Let's get a couple of them on. Would love it. Would love it, Nolan. Yeah. If Nolan Schubert's listening, the dude is literally like Barry Bonds in the flesh right now. So, I think Mr. Irish having a pretty good year. Yeah, isn't he like leading the? Isn't he leading the SEC in doubles or something? Something. He was sitting like five hundred like two two days ago. So, hey, me too. Mooney. I, I mean, I know I'm just talking about Mary's guys. There's been a lot more than that, but just... well, they happen to be good, Brian. I mean, yeah. I guess I have to be like the 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 mediator for that. And I thought about this when we picked Mary's to win. I'm like, we're gonna hear about that a hundred percent. Probably Tell gonna get another, baby. Go ahead. Yeah. Probably gonna get another well, half of you about how to like say Mary's too much. It's like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Did I pick the 88 and one team to win another few games? My bad. A couple couple production notes here. Number one, important to virtually introduce our new producer to you guys. This year we you know had James was fantastic. James did an incredible job. We have no beef with James whatsoever. James is a friend of the pod. James remains a piece of the pod's history. James, we have nothing but incredible things to say about him as a person and as a producer. Still involved. Only, still involved. involved. Yep. The only, the only problem was James is so jam-packed scheduled-wise in his, in his real life, in his non-cold-weather bats life, that it was just not going to work in terms of like, with Brandon and I's schedules, we often need like a quick turnaround on production things and... James needed a little bit more of a rigid timeline than, than we were able to do. So we went, we went and got us another producer virtually introducing my old buddy, Raj Castillo, downriver from way back, Melvindale, Lincoln Park, Dearborn Heights. My man knows the streets and he's also an incredible producer. You should follow him on, I believe it's Rajcast 81 or Rajcast 81, something like that. I'm going to look that up actually right now because I think you should I think follow it is. Thank you. Rajcast Baseball, Rajcast Baseball. Uh, that's the email. Rodcast81 is the email. Yeah, that's it. But anyways, Rogers, he's a, a proud member of Tigers Twitter. He runs the Tigers Minor League Report. 
all the multimedia, was involved with Woodward Sports for a while, does incredible stuff in baseball, is also a master of the ones and twos when it comes to producing podcasts. So that was an easy get. Reached out to him. We appreciate him helping us out. So shouts out to Raj, super producer Raj here in season three. Season three, excuse me. Um, the second production note is that we are kind of running up against it. So for D3 and D4, we are going to combine it into MVP picks. We're each going to make an MVP pick for the level. That could be a pitcher, it could be a hitter, it could be a two-way guy. And as a result, I guess I'll kick us off in D3, Brandon, if, if you have no objection to that. I would uh, never object to you, Zach. And, and I, I talked about it before, man. Like, I, I think, you know, I'm sitting here looking through my notes and then excuse me sorry about that Raj maybe you can cut that out but anyways I'm going to go with Josh Kastner from Algonac another underclass pick here for me I, I don't like doing it I, I don't think that these awards should inherently go to seniors it's just seniors are oftentimes the best players so that's just the, the reality of that but going with Josh Kastner from Algonac they are my D3 state champion pick I think he is the best pitcher in D3 I think the impact that he's going to have on that team and how far I project them to go, he's going to be my pick for it as MVP overall of Division Three. Yeah, it's really hard for me to like disagree with that, considering that his his prowess, just like what he's what he's done, what we expect him to do in a league in a division where it's going to be really hard to like beat that out. And I hate that we continue to align, but I if I had to go in a different direction. And I will go in a different direction. We talked about Edison for a moment, right? And we talked about how they return a lot and how that's kind of gone now. They returned a lot last year, and now a lot of that's gone. Well, who remains, though, is Marwin Matthews. And he's a standout, especially in Division Three. And I think he's probably the best position player that we're going to see during the playoffs in, in D3. And he's a guy who can change the game for Edison, and he can guy, he's a guy who can, you know, they don't have to deal with that or they don't have to deal with Liggett in that district again either. So, uh, you know, the glove is like a sure thing. He's going to scoop everything that gets that gets hit to him. He's going to play extremely good defense. He's going to lead really well for Edison. He bulked up this offseason. He's going to Western. He's a Mac guy. He probably had like the most improvement year over year in that division, I would say. I mean, Kasner obviously too, but I mean, Marwin really like sharpened this game like a ton, like from what we saw him as yeah. sophomore to, to now. So in the effort of differentiating, which we have not done, I think, a good enough job of, despite the fact that we just happen to be people who agree with each other, which is probably why we made the podcast about it. I will go with Marwin Matthews as my MVP in D3. So moving on to D4, this is another one where we're just going to pick an overall. And Brandon, I think we, we may be in lockstep here again. I, I know we would pick. I will, I'll let you have that one. I'll take one a little bit off the board a little bit. No, no. We can agree on one. Trent Rice is my MVP pick to be four. Yeah, it's got to be Trent Rice. Like, like yeah. who, who? It's got to be Trent Rice, dude. He's running like six two fives out there, and he's and he's hitting gap to gap power with plus. Like the bat's getting a little bit more plus plus plus. I mean, like the strength is really taking taking on some more. But the athletic ability, he's gonna swipe like five hundred bags this year. Every time he's on first, second, or third, the next base is up. You know, he changes the game defensively. Like, anything that's in the air is caught. If you're trying to run for extra bases against Mooney, you're out. Because Trent Rice will find a way to get the ball and will find a way to throw you out. One thing we've learned about Jordan Banfield is that he recruits extremely well. And he evaluates talent extremely well. And when he commits to a guy and he sticks with that guy, 
and that guy ends up in his program and that guy plays early, it's probably because he's pretty freaking good. And Trent Rice fits that bill and is one of those guys for, for Banfield. And we've seen what Oakland, I mean, Oakland just beat Michigan for the second straight year. Like, hello. Went down to Miami of Ohio on the road. Yeah. I mean, good team. Yeah. I mean, hey, how are you? Like, what else do we need to, you know, noted guest reoccurring, right? Twice. More than once. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. yeah. I'll take Tri Rice. And I think obviously you said you were too. It's just an obvious one for me in D4. Would love to be proven wrong because that just means there are more great baseball players in Michigan. And there are certainly kids who are deserving. I know you mentioned there's a real big stud at, at GR too, but I'll, yeah. I'll, you, Tyler Morehouse, I think, right? Yep. Yep, Morehouse but, uh, is another guy I would would put in the in the in the running, the talented two way kid at Richard. I think he's mostly a positional guy, but also you know, as they do in D four, the best players also pitch, and he's they do it all, maybe. Too, but yeah. So to quickly recap, and then we'll take us take ourselves out. Let's see, for Player of the Year, our picks in Division One. Brandon went with Jason Oliver from St. Mary's. I went with Dante Nori from Northville. Pitcher of the Year in D one. I went with Gannon Grundman from Heartland. Brandon went with Alfredo Velasquez from Brother Rice. Player of the Year in Division Two. I went with Jaron Purify from Liggett. Brandon went with Kyle Remington, Grand Rapids Christian. Pitcher of the Year in D2, Brandon Gavin Muzzy from New Boston Huron. I went with Brody Kruciak from Bay City, John Glenn. Our Division Three MVP picks, I went with Josh Kastner from Algonac. Brandon went with Marwin Matthews, the talented shortstop from Detroit Edison. And in Division Four, the first, the only one we agreed on in terms of the player awards, we both picked Trent Rice as our Division Four MVP heading into the season. Brandon, we are, that's it. Preseason stuff is done. We wrapped it. Wrap. Now, we're, now we're officially into the season. We're already here. You're two games in. Some teams are no games in. In the next couple of weeks, everybody's going to start playing. We have spring break to get through. Next week, we're going to talk to some college guys. We're going to talk with some college guys. We're going to talk about some college guys. We'll update you on how the state of Michigan college teams are doing. Hint, the big ones aren't doing well. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) Brandon Mann is back. Brandon Mann is back. Brandon Mann is back. Important. And he's doing well for that. He's gotten in a couple games. Yeah, yeah. But with that being said, Brandon, am I missing anything or can I take us out? Brennan Hill might be pitcher of the year. Okay. I don't know. We might have, I, we should have alluded to that more. After the performance he had against St. Mary's in the D1 final, like probably a guy that might win that award too. Yeah. Yep. That's all I got. That's all I got. That was on top of my head. I forget. More than fair. I did mention his name, but more than fair. You did, but I was like, I should have said something too. That's on me. Brandon's so I shouldn't have said it with us. Me thing. Actually obligated to mention the Hill family for at least five minutes. Uh, (laughs) Jason Hill, if you're listening, I love you. But anyways, we're gonna we're gonna kick it a little college style next week. We'll definitely talk about the action that gets underway, what it what little it does. Super twenty five still a couple weeks away. We're gonna wait until we we get a little bit more into the season to really update collection data. Collection data. We'll hashtag collect data. We'll hashtag pour over the numbers. Whatever. That's enough saying goodbye. Follow us on social media. Please like, rate, and review the show. For Brandon and his uh, Pinot Noir, I'm Brian. We'll talk to you next week.